Good morning, Grace Hills. Oh, man. Hey, I'm excited about today. I think God's got some good stuff that he wants to share with us this morning. I want to share with you, I think what today, what I would say is what I think is probably one of the most important sermons that we, and important talks that we could have right now. And I think it's super relevant to our life, but I also think that it's super relevant to where we're going through as a society and kind of as a culture of where we're at. And I mean, you know, that we serve a God who is greater than culture, that is greater than society, who that we can trust in above it all, kind of like that song said. And so I love that. And what we're going to talk about today is what I believe is the number one tactic that the enemy uses to try and destroy your life. The number one tactic that the enemy uses to try and destroy your life. Because I love what John 10.10 says. It talks about um, Jesus and it says that, that the thief comes, talking about the devil, it says that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right? And the idea is that the enemy constantly wants to pull away from your life. He never wants to add to your life, but he's always trying to destroy and pull away from your life. Um, he's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to kill your future, destroy the future right, that God has for you. That's his purpose. And I love kind of opposite of that in that scripture, John 10, 10, it talks about Jesus. And it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus is talking, he says that I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. How many know that we serve a God who wants to work in your life, who wants to bring you into the good life, that wants to, that wants to work inside of you in a great way? But the enemy, his purpose is to come and destroy that and to pull that away from you and to destroy your future, destroy your hope, to destroy your joy, to destroy your peace. And what is crazy about this is this, is that he has been using the same tactic for thousands of years to try to destroy and rob from our lives. He's not that bright. He's not that brilliant. He's not that creative. He hasn't come up with new tactics. Or maybe we should say it this way. We're dumb enough that we keep falling for it 2,000 years later. And he keeps trying the same exact thing. What I want to talk to you about today is what that tactic is. And here's the reason why. Because I believe this. If we can identify and counteract the enemy's strategy in our lives, then his strategy loses power. Let me say that again. If we can identify and counteract the enemy's strategy in our lives, then his strategy loses power. It's kind of like this. Uh, Casey was telling me one time about how she went to this big kind of like company meeting and they had like 500 people there and they did this giant game of paper, rock, scissors. And they would have like, you know, two people would meet up and then whoever lost would sit down. So he went down from 500 to 250 and from 250 down to 125. And she did this whole thing. And out of the 500 people, believe it or not, Casey said, I was asking her, I was like, did you do good? She said, believe it or not, I don't win anything in life. And she said, and I beat them all. And she was pumped about it. And I said, okay. And I was like, what'd you do? She's like, craziest thing in the world. She said, all I did was rock the whole entire time. And she said, she's like, I wasn't quite sure on how the numbers, so I just kept hitting the rock over and over, and then they just kept losing, and it was great. And so she won this thing, but I was thinking about it. If there would have been one person right, who would have watched what she was doing, it's pretty easy to counteract that strategy, right? All you got to do is do a paper. It's not that hard to figure out and how to counteract that, but you got to know what she was doing to be able to do that. 
And I think it's the same thing with the devil. He's not that smart. He's not that clever. He's been using the same tactic, the same strategy for thousands of years. And if we can identify it and see it, call it out in our lives, then we can counteract that in our lives and we can keep him from doing the destruction that he wants to do in our lives. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go back. I want to get a little teachy today, but I think it's going to help you. What we're going to do is we're going to go back to the very first place in the Bible that the enemy shows up. And what I want to show you in that scripture is this, is how his strategy has not changed. And what he was doing at the beginning in the Garden of Eden is the very same thing that he's doing today and what he's trying to do in our life. So if you've got a Bible with you, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. We'll also have it on the screens here for you as well. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 6. And just trying to give you some context of what we're walking into. This is a story of Adam and Eve. If you know Adam and Eve, it was the very first man, the very first woman ever created. And the story that we're coming into tells about the very first sin that ever happened. And kind of to give you some background, God created Adam and Eve. He loved them. He created them. And he created an amazing place for them to live, right? The Garden of Eden. And in that garden, there was everything that they could ever need, anything they could desire that God had already placed in that garden for them. And then he told them some important instructions. He said, in the middle of the garden, right, there's one tree. And he said, look, just don't eat from that tree or touch that tree. Because if you do, death is going to enter the world and you're going to die. And it wasn't a mean thing. It wasn't an angry thing. It wasn't God saying, if you do this. But he was warning them. He said, look, hey, hey, I created everything for you. Everything you ever need, everything that you could want to have here for you, just stay away from this tree and you're going to be all right. And that's kind of where we pick up the story at here in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. And some of you may know this story, Genesis 3, 1 through 6. And here's what it says. It says, the serpent, who we find out later in scripture is the devil, says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. It says, one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And then the woman said, of course not. Or of course we may eat uh, fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then the serpent replied, he said, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And it says, the woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave it some of it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Now, if you follow that story, what you see is that they ate from the tree. Death enters the world just as God said it would. And the life that God had created for them, this this life of prospering in this garden, this this life of having everything that they needed there, this life that that God had destined for them became destroyed, right? And And was broken at that moment. And here's what I want you to see is this, is that the same strategy the enemy used to cause havoc in Adam and Eve's life is the same exact strategy that he's using today and he uses against us. And I want to sum it up. Here's how I would say it. The strategy summed up in one sentence is this, is that the enemy is always trying to question what God has said. That's what he's doing. The enemy is always trying to question in your life what God has said. Because here's the thing, if he can get you to question what God has said, then he can take you away from the joy 
and from the peace and from the safety and from the rest and from the goodness of God's commands, right? Because the word of God, what what God has said to us, God is a good father. He loves you. Maybe some of y'all haven't heard that in a while, but God loves you. God cares about you. He's not a mad, angry God who's up there to, to rain down on you, but he's a God who loves you and cares about you. And his commands are to help you, to do well for you, to prosper you, to help you walk out life. And the enemy knows that if he can begin to discredit what God has said to you, then he can rob you of the life that God wants to have for you in your life. So let me show you a couple ways that he does this in the scripture is this. First thing he does, and we see this in today's society as well, is number one is this, is that he intentionally misrepresents the word of God. He intentionally misrepresents the word of God. You see it in the story. Verse one, here's what it says. It says, the enemy came and he said, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? That's what he came up with, which we know is not true, Right? What did he say? He said, you can eat from anything. You can have anything in the garden. I created all this from you for you, but there's just this one tree that I'm telling you, if you eat from it, it's gonna harm your life. It's gonna do damage in your life. And he said, I gave you all this stuff. There's just this one thing. And so what the enemy does is he comes in and he kind of manipulates the word of God. He manipulates it and, and misrepresents it to say, hey, did God say that you can't eat from any of these trees? And what he's doing is he's trying to cause doubt and begin to cause um, misconceptions in Eve's mind through the misrepresentation of what God's word. And what he's trying to do is that he's trying to rob them of what God has for them. See, the same thing happens to Jesus. And Jesus in the desert when he is tempted, right? If you read that story, the enemy comes in that does the same thing. He misrepresents God's word. He comes in and actually quotes a piece of the Bible to Jesus, but he misrepresents it. And Jesus has to come back and fight him off. But here's what's interesting about that as we see it over and over and over is that the enemy's not afraid to use the word of God in a wrong way in your life. And let me show you this. The same thing happens to Jesus. If the enemy can misrepresent God's word to you, then he can get you to do whatever he wants. I'll give you an example. When I was growing up, um, my sister was a lot like the devil in my life. And, um, and uh, I didn't think about us live streaming that. That's probably a bad idea. <laughs> um, but she would slightly alter what my parents told me and just like slightly alter it and manipulate it enough that it got me in some hot water and bad circumstance. So I remember one time my parents left on this trip and they like wrote out this entire list of things for like us to do while we were, while they were gone. And so she read the list to me. I didn't read the list. And she said, oh, here's all the things that you need to do. And so she read off this entire list. And so uh, for like two weeks, I was like, man, that's a lot of stuff. But if that's what they told me to do, I better do it. So I was like working like a dog, like trying to do all this stuff. And about two weeks later, because they were on this like really long trip. I guess it was probably a week and a half because it was a two-week trip. About a week and a half in, I got over there and I actually read the list for myself. And I realized that she had kind of told me the things that they wanted me to do and then also the things that they wanted her to do. But somehow those things all kind of flowed together in what I was supposed to do. And I was thinking about it because of this. I didn't know what the list said. I hadn't read it. I didn't know anything of what was going on. And so when she kind of told me what they said, then it, she was able to make me do whatever she wanted to, me to do because she was able to manipulate and misrepresent what they said to cause me to want to do what she wanted me to do. 
And here's what I would say, in the same way in our lives, if the enemy can manipulate what God has said, then he can make you do whatever he wants you to do. And I see it all the time, right, where we see this constantly, I think, in today's society. I'll give you a very kind of tame, small example of it. I see this on, uh, on Facebook a lot, where somebody will, will um, basically rant and rave and say whatever they want, right? And then at the end, they'll just say, well, you know, I was just speaking the truth in love. No, you wanted to rant and rave and say whatever you wanted to say, and you just wanted a Bible verse to try to back you up and do whatever you wanted to do. Right? And that's the truth of what happens so many times is that we, the enemy comes in and manipulates the word of God to try to, and we try to use that to just justify however we want to be or whatever we want to do. We see this a lot right now in um, sexual ethics. I, I remember in, uh, I did a lot of work in that, in like my doctoral stuff, and I went into the weeds of it. And what's happening right now, and I'll just be honest with you, is, is there was some beliefs that we had throughout Christianity for thousands of years, ways that we read the word of God, that we understood the word of God, ways that we've got it and that we've understood it, that the church throughout time has understood things, right? And we've, we've got this all understood and accomplished. And then in the last few years, right? And probably the last about 70 years, really hard. And then really hard and probably about the last five or 10 years, there's been some things come out and these people are coming to where they're going to, well, well, you know, that's not exactly what, what God said. We, we, we misinterpreted what God had said. And so now here, I want to come and explain to you what the Bible actually says. And what it is, is the manipulation of God's word where people can say what they want to say to, to justify the behavior and the actions and the thoughts that they want to go through. And it's a huge tactic of the enemy. And I know this is a little teachy this morning, but I want to help you today because this is the challenge that we are facing in our time right now is a battle over truth. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come in and shift and manipulate and slightly alter the word of God so that way he can make you do whatever he wants you to do. And we'll have this idea of the, where people will come in and begin to question things and say, well, did God really say that? Well, yes, he did. You just don't like that he said it. And we get to this point of where if the enemy can shift it, manipulate it in a small way, then he can begin to change our lives. And here's why this is so important. And this is why it's so important to your life is that God's directions, once again, were given for your good. Right, God's directions aren't there because he wants to be mean and angry and keep a thumb down on you and he wants to do something crazy in your life, but it's because he loves you. He created you. He knows what's good for you. He knows what's happened in your life. He knows what'll prosper you. He knows what'll, what'll prosper your emotions. Right? He knows what'll, what'll work in your relationships. And he says, hey, if you will follow me, I will work in your life in the right way. But the enemy wants to destroy your life and manipulate the word of God. That's why I would say this way. I would say just... Just be careful to not get your theology from Facebook, right? And I say that a little bit in jest, but I also say that in a little bit of reality. Because here's the truth of what happens is I see over and over and over small snippets and little misrepresentations of God's word, and it's destroying people's lives. Here's what I would say is... Read the word of God for yourself. I'm not coming here saying you just need to hear everything I say. Read the word of God for yourself. Study the word of God for yourself. It's important. 
Because that's the way that we counteract when the enemy comes. Is when we, you know, it's kind of like this. There's a, there's a story about the treasury, the United States Treasury and the Secret Service. You know, they come and they, they are, they're supposed to hunt down counterfeit dollar bills. And the old, I don't know if this, I, this is the old story that I always heard. Um, and it, it's crazy. Is that when they have a bank teller and they're trying to teach them about how to recognize a counterfeit bill, what they do is they, they give them a bunch of real dollar bills. And they feel what a real dollar bill is and they put them in their hands that way they feel what a real one is so that way when a counterfeit comes in they go oh that's not right that's that's not right that's not the thing and here's what I would say is this is that's what way we need to be with the word of God where we know the word of God so that way when something comes in that's not right it's different we go oh that I don't know about that let me let me let me look at that let me let me study that let me see if that's right or not because I'm going to tell you and I'm just going to say this pastorally because I care about you the enemy wants to destroy your life And he's going to manipulate the word of God to try to get you into a wrong place. Know the word of God so you can do it. That's why I would say, come, come to church, learn about it. Get around some people that are godly people that can raise you upright in the word of God. See, the way to fight this tactic of the devil is to know the word of God for yourself. We were talking a little bit earlier about how how the devil used this tactic on Jesus. You know what Jesus did? When when the devil came and manipulated the word of God to him, he repeated back to him, he said, the word of God says, or he says, it has been written. And he told him what the word of God really said. And it changed the situation. Know the word of God. Know the word of God. The enemy will try to destroy your life by misrepresenting what God has said. But here's the thing, is if misrepresenting the word of God doesn't work, the enemy doesn't stop there, right? He keeps going on. And here's the second thing that he does, is that he begins to just trust or question the truthfulness of what God has said. If if he manipulates it and that doesn't work, then he goes to just say, it's not true. And we see this in verse four. He says, once Eve kind of pushes back and says, well, that's not really what God has said. Then he goes on number four and he says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. He's basically saying, I know what God has said, but that's not true. Like, that's not what God said. And here's the thing is, if he can't misrepresent the word of God to you because you know it, then he's gonna begin to question if it's true. And this is the same strategy that he's using today. We see it over and over and over. I, I mean, how many times have you heard, well, well, the Bible is old-fashioned, that it isn't cultured, that it's a bunch of fairy tales, that, that it's got some good morals, but it's not actually legit and true. How many times do we hear that from the enemy today in our culture today? And the whole purpose is to get you to question God's truthfulness. And here's the crazy thing. I think about it this way. There's people throughout all of these different realms, right, that get you to try to question the word of God. But here's the crazy thing is that if you think about philosophy, right, it's constantly shifted throughout time. If you think about ethics, right, ethics are constantly shifting. Culture is constantly shifting. People are constantly shifting. And the only thing that has not shifted, that has stayed the same, and that says what it says, and that is reality in our lives is the word of God. And as you look through history, you realize real quick that humanity has no clue on earth what we're doing, right? And you see this because we're a bunch of flip-floppers where, where what one generation condones, the next generation outlaws. And it's this cyclical thing through the last thousands and thousands of years that culture and ethics and everything has constantly shifted and moved and shifted and moved. And every couple generations, things are different. And what this generation thought was good, this generation thinks is bad. And then this generation thinks is good. And it's constantly moving and shifting. And here's what I want to say is if I'm going to build my life on something, 
If I'm going to believe in something, I'm not going to believe in just the most recent philosophical position or political position or popular opinion, but I'm going to root my life in something that has stood the test of time, that isn't constantly shifting and moving, that hasn't constantly shifted. I'm going to build my life on the word of God. That's what we've got to do. And see, what the enemy's going to do is he's going to come and try to say, well, well, it's not true, but it's the only thing that has stood the test of time. That's why if I have to choose, that's what I'm going to stand on. Because it, it, here's the truth. Society is going to shift in about 10 minutes. And you build your life on society in 10 minutes, it's going to be completely different. But the word of God will stand true. I love Romans 3, 4, the way it says it. It says, though every man be found a liar, still God is found true. See, the enemy will do his best to convince you that the word of God is a lie. And he doesn't just do it about directions. I think it's easy for us to think about it in God's kind of laws, right, in directions and think about it that way. But I'll tell you, that's not the way the enemy attacks me. Um, I, I believe what God has said. I believe the rules. I believe all those things. Like all, the, all those things, I get them. I'll tell you where the enemy attacks me. And me personally attacks me on, on God's promises, and he tries to say, well, yeah, I know, it. I know that God promised that. I know that God said this in his word, but, 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 you know, that's not true. And I begin to get discouraged, and I begin to lose hope, and I begin to get into this place where I, where I, where I get discouraged in my life because I begin to doubt that God's word is true. I think about it. One of the things that I struggled with, uh, there was a time a couple years ago where I started thinking about that. I was discouraged because I hate like relying upon people. I don't know, I don't know if any of y'all are there, but like growing up, I always wanted to like, I wanted to make everything and I, I didn't want to have to have somebody else that I relied upon and it really just worries me to have to rely upon people. And so then I was a great idea that I was going to go into ministry a bit where you completely have to rely on a whole church of people. Um, so that was a great idea. Good trick by God there, right? And I'll tell you one time in ministry, I just got discouraged and um, the way the enemy attacked me was because I began to question God's provision. Uh, and I, I began to sit there and think, well, well is God going gonna to provide? Is he, is he going to be who he says he is? And, and I remember in that moment that there was a, uh, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart. And he just reminded me, no, God is your provider. He may use people. He may use things. He may do things. But you don't, you're not relying upon people. You're relying upon me. And I promise that I am your provider that I will stand with you, that I will walk through you. And I'll, I'll just tell you this. The enemy, what he tries to do in our lives is he tries to cause destruction and havoc, tries to destroy your emotions, tries to destroy your spirit, tries to destroy your heart. And the way that he does it, he tries to come in and say, mm, what God said isn't true. It isn't true. Same thing he's doing. The enemy will try to destroy your life by questioning the truthfulness of what God has said. And then if he can't do that, if the enemy can't misrepresent God's word to you, and if he can't get you to doubt God's truthfulness, then here's what he'll do. He'll just, he'll just call God's character into question. He'll just blatantly call out God's character. Here's the way this verse says in Genesis 3, verse 6 down here. He says this. He says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman, right? Which is when he just called out God's truthfulness. Then he goes on and he says this. He says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So here's what he's doing in this passage is this, is that the enemy is just essentially saying, God, God wants to hold you back. 
right? God, God is wanting to withhold good things from you. God is wanting to keep you from fun. God is wanting to keep his thumb on you. See, what the enemy is doing is all he's doing is simply questioning if God is good. That's what he's doing. Because here's the thing. If God is not good, then everything else is pointless. Everything else in faith, everything else we believe is a downstream issue of is God good? Because if you don't trust at the very beginning that God loves you and cares about you and is good, then your trust is out the window because you can't trust somebody that you don't, that you don't believe wants your good. I think about it years ago when uh, we used to live out in western Oklahoma when I was a kid and we were walking and um, me and my dad were walking and there was, we came across this big old giant um, diamondback rattlesnake um, and was not a good thing. When you're about 10, that thing will freak you out. Probably if you're about 30, that thing will freak you out still but I remember that thing goes and my immediate reaction right was that I wanted to hop around and and just like just run off and I know like would have been a bad circumstance right you got to kind of be a little careful and I remember my dad put his hand on my shoulder and he said and he said hey just just settle down back up real slow son and he said just trust me just back up real slow and I remember he just kind of walked me back from it and we were fine and we got away from the snake and I'll tell you what it took in that moment, of a moment of where my emotions were running about 800 miles an hour, took a hand from my dad, who I knew was good, who wanted my good, who cared about me. And when he said, hey, don't trust your emotions right now. Trust me. Just be careful. Just walk back slowly. We're going to be fine. And I think about Scripture. And it constantly reminds us, you know, over and over and over, calls God a good father. And I don't think that's by accident, right? He's our good father, that he loves us, tells us that over and over, that he cares about us, that he, that he cares about your situations, that he, that he created you, that he cares about what you're walking through. And here's the reason why, is because if you can understand the goodness of God, that's, that's the 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 very beginning of everything is that you can understand if you trust him that he is good, then you can trust him with your life. See, what the enemy will do is that he's going to come and try to discredit who God is. If he can't misrepresent God's word to you, if he can't lie to you, then he's just going to say, well, God's just not good. And you know what the Bible says, but you know what? It's written from a guy who doesn't even care about you, a guy who just wants to pound down on you, a guy who just wants to give you a bunch of laws and doesn't care about what you have and what you want to do and everything. But I'll, here's what I want to tell you today is that God loves you, that he cares about you, that he knows what's for your good. And those laws and those rules and those promises are coming from a father who cares about your situations, who wants to walk it out with you. When you understand God as a good father who loves you and cares about you and wants good for you, it makes it easy to trust him. So here's what I want you to understand today as we come kind of a little bit to a close is this. The enemy's a liar. He's a liar and he wants to destroy your life. It's his purpose. He wants to destroy your life. And the way that he does it is by getting you to question the truthfulness of God, which makes it no surprise, I think, that today in society, if you think about it, what is the big battle that we're facing right now in society is this. What is truth? What is truth? And we think that's some new problem that we face that. No, it's the problem from the Garden of Eden. Same exact problem that we face from the beginning of time is what is truth. 
right? Society right now says, well, it's my truth and that's your truth and we all have a version of truth. There is no versions of truth. There is truth of what happened. There's truth. There is no versions. Right now, they're trying to get to this idea that, that truth is relative. This isn't even just a modern problem, right? We see this throughout history that, that anytime anybody wants to do their own thing, that they want to destroy things, it comes up to this. That truth is relative. Truth is whatever you think truth is. Right? What is it? It's a tactic of the enemy to pull you away from the word of God so that way, you, uh, so that way he can begin to destroy your life. Right? There's an idea right now. There is no absolute truth. It's the same exact tactic from the enemy. Right? New times, same old scheme. That's what the enemy wants to do. See, there's a battle raging in society for truth because the enemy, can, if he can get you to question God's truth, then he can destroy your life. Now, Paul talks about this. We'll use this scripture kind of here at the ending, and I, I think it's a funny scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians. And what's funny about it to me is that it reads just like he wrote it in 2022, right? And let me, let me read this to you, 2 Corinthians 11, 3 through 4. Here's what Paul says. He says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. So he's saying, I think you're, I'm worried that you're going to be corrupted in, your, in the way that you follow Christ. And here's why. He says, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. He relates it back to Genesis. He says, exactly like she was deceived, like we've been talking about today, I'm afraid that it's going to happen to you. And then here's how he goes on. He says, you happily put up with whatever anybody tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one that you believed. To come full circle, come back where we started this morning, the number one tactic of the enemy, what we see throughout history is this, the number one tactic that he uses to destroy your life is to get you to question God's truth. That's what it says here. Because there's that old saying, you know, like, if you don't believe in anything, you're going to fall for everything. That's what the enemy does. If he pulls you out of God's truth, then he can get you to fall for whatever he wants in your life. Because when he can destroy your faith in God's truthfulness, then he'll destroy your life. Don't let him do it. I love that scripture. Even when every person is found a liar, still God is found true. Still God is found true. God is good. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. And I can say that because I've seen it. I can say it honestly. And not because my life has been perfect, not because everything has happened right. I've walked through some stuff and I've walked through some trials and there's been some moments at nights where maybe I've set up and I've gone like, God, what in the world is going on? But I can tell you as I look back that I can see at every moment that God was still good that he was still faithful. And even in the moments where the world would say, how in the world can you have joy? That God still gave me joy even in the midst of storms. And that I can look back and see blessings upon blessings after blessings that God has worked in my life. And I can say this beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God is good. I can say this too. I, I, I know a lot of you and I know a lot of your stories and I've had the opportunity to walk through and to hear some of y'all, what have you gone through? And I, I love to hear your stories because what I always hear is that there's some stuff that you walk through, but that God was still good and that God was still faithful, that God was still walking through. And I wanna say this today. The enemy is gonna do everything he can do to get you to question who God is and what God has said.
Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Stand firm on the word of God. Even though no matter what society says, no matter what people go, I'm going to tell you, everything's going to shift in society and everything in a little bit. But the one thing that we can stand firm on is the word of God. Amen? Yeah. I say this today, and I know that today was a little different. I know that today was a little teachy, but I genuinely bring this out because I care about you. And um, one of the things that I hate to see is that the enemy keeps winning with the same old dumb tactic. And being pastorally, I'll walk through a lot of people and I see the same thing come up over and over and over. And the devil's dumb and I'm tired of it. And I'd say, let's be a church that stands on the word of God and says, devil, we ain't falling for your dumb traps anymore. We're not gonna do it anymore. We're gonna follow what God has said. We believe the word of God. and We're gonna stand on what he's done. Amen. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you that you are the author of all good things. God, we thank you that you care so much for us, that you created us, that you, that you love us, that you know what is good for us, that you know what is right for us. And God, we stand on you. And God, we, we say today that we trust you. I know there are some people in this room today that are probably walking through some circumstances and there's some situations right now in some lives that, that they're looking at and saying, God, where are you at? God, what, what's going on? God, what are you doing? And that there's maybe some, some doubt and some moments that we've, that we've come into and we're saying, God, are you there? But God, we thank you today that we can stand on your word and that we know what your word says, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, that you will stand with us, that you will walk with us, that you are a good God, even no matter what the world happens, no matter what we walk through, no matter what people say, God, no matter how we are attacked, that God, we can stand on your faithfulness and your goodness and your truthfulness. So God, today we just come together as a church and we say, we don't, we don't know everything, but here's what we do know. that you are good, that you are faithful, and we trust you. God, those things that we've been carrying those worries, those fears, those things, God, we surrender them to you. As a good father, we put them in your hands today. We say, God, we trust you. We trust you. God, we trust you. You are good. Thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name.